0: Hi, guys, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Key Hire Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Sarah Bent, who's part of the People Operations team at Hotjar. We decided to have this conversation in the wake of very unprecedented circumstances where lots of companies are forced. To move to fully remote to work from home. Hotjar is a company that has been operating as a fully remote distributed company since 2014. So as such, uh, bringing hopefully lots of good practices, uh, some good advice, tools, system processes that uh, will help you make that transition as well. So uh, check out this uh, this conversation with Sarah. Hopefully we'll bring bringing you some good actionable insights and advice. Uh, thank you very much. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next one. Thank you.
1: I think one of the first things I was just thinking about the the kind of questions that you you sent through and I was thinking about maybe one of the key things to address for people is that this doesn't have to be so different. I think a lot of people are viewing this of this is completely new to me. I don't know what to do and feeling a little bit lost. But I was thinking about it realistically these days when people are going through the hiring process and companies are looking for people, they have people apply online, they communicate via email, they you know, they call them up for an initial, initial screening call. Really the, one of the main differences is going to be the interview part itself where you don't get to meet the person in person. Um, but that's really one of the biggest switches. So I think, first of all, taking a step back and thinking, okay, what are the main things we're going to have to adjust? Do we need to start all over again and throw out what we've got? Probably not. I think probably you're already gonna be able to continue the same way, like using the same TS, ATS, putting people through the same process and pipelines for the most part with some tweaks. So I think my advice would be step one, take a deep breath, take a step back and think about the fact that probably you don't need to change everything from yeah. The, because yeah, building over again seems a lot more daunting than just making adjustments. And with those adjustments, I think it's not so strange, I think, going into it as people might. Suspect it will be hiring remotely. Obviously, hiring is such a human thing. You need to have connections with people, and there's such a human element to it. But I think, yeah, letting people know that it's you can still have all this remotely. You yeah. don't need to lose this element of it.
0: Yeah, so important to say that, uh, and I think that's a that's a super super valid point, right? In terms of the actual talent attraction, probably the same tools would apply. Majority of the companies recruit online anyway, and mm. then the application process pretty much stays the same as well, right? As long as we've got the right application tracking system in place, we've got relatively seamless uh, application process for the candidates to apply online and register into the database, the Mm -hmm. initial outreach stays pretty much the same. I think a lot of companies, would carry out the first interview process, the first kind of initial outreach online as well. Anyway, so mm-hmm. we recommend video conversations, I guess, right? To, to, to facilitate that experience, to see a little bit more clues related to body language and just have more deeper connection, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think what, what's what's quite tricky maybe for companies is that the ones I work with anyway, that quite often they make a switch after second. First or second round of interviews into onsite. Is they're like, okay, well, we now need to meet in person, have that face to face, look at uh, all these things and clues that we don't seem to be able to focus on when it's virtual only, right? So, I think maybe the questions, concerns that people have is, how do you make sure that we can validate for cultural alignment? Uh, how do we build rapport, how do we build relationships in a in a kind of virtual setup, and to end, And this I is I guess, where your experiences are so great and invaluable, really. I think this is going to be the main area that
1: people probably want to make some adjustments to their own recruitment process because of this. And um, so I think when it comes to the, the kind of the company values and the culture ad side of things, I think for any company, it's really useful to be building elements of this throughout your entire recruitment process. So making sure that the questions that you're asking from the get go are harking back to your own core values and your own working mindset to make sure that you're trying to draw that out to find out about the candidate in that from that respect. But I think even with switching or with switching from an in-person interview to a video interview, it takes some getting used to from both sides. But you can still, and I think a video interview is really important rather than just having a voice call because there's still that element then of you can see them, there's an, an element of body language going on, even though it's not quite as much as in person. Um, yes. But I think really it's embedding this idea of being able to get to know the candidate quite well before potentially getting to an offer stage. So after we've interviewed somebody in Hotjar, we have a final task stage. And this is an incredibly beneficial part for us. And so the task is where people will join us and they join us on Slack. So the the candidate already starts getting a feel for, you know, what it's like to work with us or what it's like to work remotely as well. because This is very new to a lot of people. We've actually had a couple of candidates back out from the process with us once they've reached the task stage, Mm -hmm. having realized that I'm not sure working remotely is for me. It's kind of odd just Mm -hmm. being by myself away from the team. And so it's a good window for the candidate as well to find out whether or not they like it. But it's really useful for us to see how they work, both in that respect of seeing how they work remotely. Like, are they OK with communicating asynchronously and just via Slack messages a lot of the time? Are they OK with just getting on with the work themselves when they don't have anybody around them to you know, look over their shoulder or see what's happening? Do they reach out with questions when they're stuck on something or, you know, getting a feel for the communication as well as obviously then their actual skill set related to the tasks that we've set them for it? So Mm -hmm. that, I think, would be one of my pieces of advice of a potential need to adjust your hiring process to make sure you really are getting to know somebody a bit deeper than you can just through an interview.
0: Yeah, so it's the task uh, at Hotjar is more of a kind of interactive exercise, right? Where the candidate gets invited to, as you said, communication channel, Slack. There is other participants from your team. So you measure much more than just the performance on task, right? You measure communication, how they engage. What are there maybe other metrics that you guys have in place to, to, to evaluate that fit?
1: I think throughout the entire thing, we do, I mentioned, try to ask questions about that tie back to our company values because it's such an important mm-hmm. part of our work in Hotjar is to always be living out our values. and That's something I think our company does quite well. Like a lot of companies, they'll have values. They don't necessarily mean anything in terms of the day-to-day life for the company. And culture is quite good at embedding that into how we actually work. And so, yeah, keeping keeping an eye on that and obviously being quite purposeful and intentional with it in terms of how we're trying to assess this in the candidate. Yeah, for the most part, it's really just seeing how the candidate is interacting with our team. Um, Which means there's a lot of work for our team. Also, we obviously need them to be interacting with the candidate. It can't be a one-sided thing, only coming from the candidate, because that isn't a realistic viewpoint for the candidate either. Then, but yeah, just checking—not checking, but keeping an eye on that interaction throughout it, both in terms of how they are from the interview stage, you know, their email communication, their time with us on Slack, and then every task presentation usually ends with an hour-long phone call in which they actually talk us through their work. Mm -hmm. A huge part of being able to successful working remotely is making sure that you're quite a clear communicator and so if somebody isn't able to articulate themselves particularly well or explain their their workflow and their ideas clearly this is something that you do lose an element of extra communication tips and hints when you're working only on calls all the time so it's important to make sure somebody has a really strong communication tool set
0: themselves absolutely and before we go into the onboarding part can we just recap the entire recruitment flow that you have in place Sarah just so that everyone is clear so what 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 the flow looks like from from kind of the application stage and how do you perhaps also communicate within the teams I know that you record some conversations that you have online and then share them with others if we can just maybe uh, discuss every step That you have in place and then how do you kind of manage that in terms of just processing? Yeah, of course. So
1: we have the initial application stage. I will say our process is roughly the same for about 80% of the roles. We differ sometimes, mainly we'll differ slightly for our more executive roles because they're being more headhunted rather than being internal applications Mm -hmm. or inbound applications. And also sometimes we just experiment a little bit to see what works well. But for the most part, we'll start off as an application form. And obviously, what that looks like depends a lot on the role. We've more and more started veering towards keeping this quite minimal. We don't want it to be a barrier to entry. And realistically, there's only so much you can glean from that application. So we ask a few questions and obviously review their CV. We have a slightly two-step process for this. So first of all, the person's reviewed by the the recruiter who's aligned to it. It's either myself or until recently we had somebody else working with us to look after our technical roles. So we would go through it and then pass it to the hiring manager or a member of the hiring team for a second review so that they can see it from a more technical perspective. From here, if we think their, their skill set sounds good and the way they've answered their questions makes sense for what they're looking for, we'll ask them to complete a video stage for us. The video stage is sometimes replaced with just a quick screener call, like a 15-minute more traditional screening call. But with the videos, it means we can do it asynchronously. So the candidate can create the videos in their own time. Our team can watch them within their own time, but within an asset SOA. We don't want to take too long to get back to the candidate. But we mm-hmm. ask the candidate to record themselves answering usually four or five questions. Um, we use a tool that's embedded within our applicant tracking system for this. So it's we kind of want to encourage the candidates to keep it quite simplistic. We don't want high production values. We just want to get a feel for them answering these questions the questions some of them will be about the role specific knowledge and then some of them are again more about our kind of working values and mindset and see how they talk about there and this is where the communication style really starts coming into effect from the offset you get a sense for how somebody explains themselves and how they answer those questions and what the communication style is like so from there Once our hiring team have reviewed the videos, and we always make sure a couple of people watch the videos rather than just one person watching it and saying yes or no from there. But once a couple of people watched it and agreed on it, then we would invite the person through to interview. So the interview is an hour long video call. It doesn't always take up the full hour, but we set it to be an hour long call in case we do take that long. So it's always with two members of Hotjar. So sometimes it's critter and one of the hiring team. Sometimes it's two members of the hiring team. This is where we have the potential for bottlenecks. So we try to, especially for our high volume roles, have quite a few people trained up to be able to interview, so that we're not slowing the candidate down in the process by, you know, just not having enough interview slots available. So this mm-hmm. call, it's kind of a, it's again, it's just getting more in depth. It's a time when obviously you can dig deeper into the person's answers, the way we can't with the videos. So again, asking more general questions around the mindset and relating back to Hotjar's values and then very role-specific questions as well, just to assess their actual skill set and ability. So after the interview, then the next part is the task that I've mentioned already. So that's really the final part of our recruitment process where the candidate works on project work for us. And the work is always something which is actually relevant to the role they're becoming into. It's never you know, a busy work. It's always something useful that they could actually continue on with once they got in the door. If that all goes well, anybody who we'd like to move to offer with, there's always a final quick call with the aligned executive member. And then we would yeah, take them to offer
0: stage. Throughout that process, uh, do you think that certain aspects of it might be a little bit more challenging for a team that tries to adopt it but hasn't been set up for remote first? Is there anything specific to this, this type of arrangement? I think some elements You'll need to
1: put some time and effort into getting yourself set up, even just the technologies used. So obviously, if you're suddenly finding yourself going remote, you're already going to have to start dealing with video conferencing. And loads of tools out there are being incredibly generous with this. Like Zoom have removed their 40-minute um, time limit for their free accounts just now. We use Zoom for our task calls because we can record the calls. It's really useful to record the calls then watch back watch it back over. And we always give the candidate access to watch their own call back over as well. So I think making sure that you have the technology in place. So again, most companies are probably using applicant tracking systems just now. Um, If anybody is still tracking on a spreadsheet, I would highly recommend moving away from that. For multiple Um, reasons, yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, the video calls are something which any company suddenly finding themselves remote are going to need access to anyway. So either via Google Meet or Zoom or any alternative like this. The other technologies we use so, lots of applicant tracking systems will embed evaluation forms into it.
0: Yeah, I was just—I was just uh, curious to ask if we can maybe relate to to Recruity, which is to your your ATS, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the best tools that you use there? Which tools do you think leverage and that remote setup and really support it?
1: Recruity is is really useful to us from the perspective of getting a lot of team members involved because it's incredibly um, intuitive to use. It's very user friendly and to take people through the pipeline. So that's very beneficial when we're involving a lot of team members who aren't coming from the hiring world and who aren't used to using tools like this. So yeah, Recruity is very beneficial for this. Our business intelligence team um, have been helping us to draw a lot more data from Recruity. The reporting isn't as robust on it as um, we necessarily like it to be, but yeah, we do have this business intelligence team who are spending a lot of their time managing to pull this information for us, which is Mm. great and doing their automating wizardry of whatever it is they're doing. Recruity does involve, as I say, the video stage, so we can ask for video recordings from there, which is really useful. We don't use the evaluation forms on there the way that we should. And it's something which, whilst hiring is a little bit quieter, it's going to be useful to start making the switch to move our interview forms, which we currently use on Trello, over to Recruity to keep it all together. It's a lot easier if the information is all in one place. Because right now, for you know, for GDPR deletion purposes, we have information in a couple of places, which is messier, it'd be nicer to keep it all in one place. So yeah, Recruity will be good for that. Yeah, and so using Trello, so Recruity is really Recruity Trello on video calls. And then obviously the candidate joins us on Slack, but by that point, they're just joining the tools that we need in place for our team anyway.
0: Yeah. In terms of communication between different interviewers engaged in recruitment process throughout, I think this is also an important point, right? Because, the interviewers themselves are also of course distributed they are remote any kind of good practice that you guys have worked out that really help you facilitate that communication uh, manage the information flow maybe in terms of just sharing feedback after every interviewing stage as well so that it's it's accurate it's maybe there's a formula in that you use to like a template to share that feedback how do you, you kind know, of message that how do you make sure that there's there are no interruptions, no gaps in between interviews, etc. I think having your process very clearly defined
1: and laid out is one of the most important things for this. So you can always point your hiring teams back to it. That way, whenever a new person becomes involved in hiring, you can point them to this and they know to follow the steps exactly as they're written out. So we have our recruitment manual where it is laid out very step by step for every stage of the recruitment process. Um so hopefully there can this can be less confusion or tripping up or um, letting anybody fall through the net because you're following a very step-by-step process. And having everybody in the same page of what they're doing and how they communicate with the candidate and what they need to do at what stage, it keeps things flowing more smoothly. And um, yeah, making sure that we're all on the same page in terms of what do we need to take a note of at the end of an interview? What are the kind of the key components we need to make sure we take away from this? How do we agree whether or not we're moving a candidate forward at each stage? And yeah, really following a process in a very step-by-step way, which is the same across all your roles you have going. to, so it's repeatable and scalable. Mm-hmm. I think one super important piece of this as well, when it comes to having multiple hiring team members involved is an alignment and what it is you're actually looking for. It's mm-hmm. something, especially when we have, you know, if we open a new role we've never hired for before, it's it's really worth paying attention to this alignment piece straight from the offset, it's something we've tripped up on before, um, because if if the hiring team members aren't fully aligned on what they're looking for, if people are looking for something slightly different in the candidate, it's going to be harder to get to get the people through all the way and to get the right people through your pipeline all the way. So yeah. spending time making sure like, okay, what are we looking for at this stage? What can we find out about them that's useful at this stage? Because at different stages, there's going to be different things you can look out for. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. I think this is something that can happen in both traditional setup and in a remote setup. And I think what mm-hmm. is good about the remote setup is that sometimes because we distribute it, it really m- makes us focus on this aspect a little bit more because we are more conscious about that alignment, about making sure that the communication, the goals are clearly set. Uh, or sometimes maybe with a traditional setup, people take certain things for granted. And so it's not as intuitive. So... Mm-hmm. I think
1: that can actually be a benefit of working remotely yeah. is that we're much more intentional about our communication because I exactly. can't just wander over to somebody's desk for a quick comment. Um, so you have to be quite intentional about it, which definitely works in your favor when hiring remotely. Absolutely.
0: So now we're getting to, to to I guess the the offer stage. Is there anything specific about the offer stage, Sarah, that you've been observing which might be slightly tricky or different to to folks that have been doing it in a more classical way?
1: I can imagine this again, it's probably something which doesn't differ as much. I think most Mm -hmm. offers aren't made in person. They're made via phone calls. So it's the same kind of thing for us. We got on a video call to make the offer. We follow up with an email detailing all the information. And then, yeah, we obviously all being done remotely. I think, again, I think most companies these days aren't relying on like wet signatures and paperwork these days. So it probably isn't as different as you might think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And we have our candidates offer stage complete a form with all the information we need to the next steps like references and contacting and um, background mm-hmm. checks and whatnot and then their contracts go out via adobe signs they can sign it all digitally and um, but yeah i think this is probably one of the stages where it really doesn't differ as much from yeah. in-person companies these days
0: yeah some some companies during the recruitment process they've got they, they try to embed a little bit of a kind of social aspect to the interview, right? So once they have, they have perhaps made, made it clear for themselves that they're really interested in the candidate, they would invite them over for lunch, maybe dinner, maybe a drink or two, just to see how the communication flows outside of the kind of strict office environment. You guys obviously don't do that. Do you have anything else to replace that, to, to kind of, you know, measure that social element that, uh, personality alignment? How do you build rapport in that context?
1: I think it's, yeah, much more about building rapport than the personality alignment piece. But I think this is something I stress quite a lot to people we're training up to be interviewers, mm-hmm. how important the small talk is at the start of an interview. Those five minutes of just general chit-chat when you're, you know, gearing things up and getting started. It's it's partly because you want to settle the candidate's nerves because you're going to get a much better um, version of themselves if they are calm and they're not nervous. And um, so it's definitely a lot to do with that. But also just yeah settling down settling them down into seeing what type of company we are and how our conversations are going are going to go. we're not a very formal company. So if somebody comes into an interview feeling quite, you know, anxious and very formal, it's not going to be a very hot jar feeling interviews. So I, I always stress that those like five minutes or so of chit chat at the start, it's super important. It's not something just to skip past and get straight into the you know the questions that you want to ask them, have that conversational piece with them, find out a little bit about them. Yeah, just talk to them the way you would to each other within the team. And we are quite a sociable company. So it's it's nothing particularly, you know, strange for our yeah. company to be on a video call and suddenly chatting to somebody who they might never have met before. That's quite normal and <laughs> for most people within the company. Yeah. But yeah, I think having that the few minutes of social interaction at the start of the interview super important even actually at the video stage when we invite somebody to create a video for us we send out videos that we've recorded as well to them Mm. partly in a kind of like hey we've all been through this we know it's slightly nerve-wracking and it's kind of weird for a lot of people and but everybody in the company except the founders and perhaps the first two team members we've all been through the same process we know exactly how you feel so we send out these videos of us answering the questions and i can speak from truth that it took some of us several takes to get those videos that we then send out because yeah nobody <laughs> loves recording themselves yeah. so it's adding that kind of human touch to it as well we send those out having the five minutes of just or however long of chit chat that's sort of a um an interview call and then during the task as well we add everybody into our kitchen channel on snack and our kitchen is like you know the water cooler kind of channels where Just random nonsense gets shared, to be honest. A lot of memes and just general chit-chat. And it's nice having the task candidates in there because they can see how we interact with each other on a very social basis. The entire company is in there as well as anybody else also doing their task. And so yeah, it's a nice window into Hotjar as a social company as well.
0: Kitchen Channel, I love that. I Mm -hmm. absolutely love that. And the icebreaker, right? Not just to make a small talk for the small talk's sake, but make it natural, make it intentional, and really be curious about the other individual, right? Yes, yeah. so, and really set the tone for
1: Hotjar as well. We're we're yeah. not a formal company,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: it really sets the tone well for what they can expect from from the interview and from Hotjar in general.
0: Yeah, love it. The onboarding part, I think, Sarah is super interesting, and I think this is probably something that people have been most restless about, right? How do you onboard if there is no one physically there to onboard? How do you yeah build those those welcome packs? How do you navigate all of that? So, so I think this is going
1: to be yeah the biggest change for people, and it's and for the new person starting as well. If you're used to turning up to an office on your first day, you know, possibly with all those like you know first day of school kind of jitters that you might have, and um, turning up when you're surrounded by all these new people, and instead all of a sudden you're just you know going down sitting at your kitchen table or ever opening a laptop. And put, and it can just feel very odd. I remember feeding the same thing when I started the Hull jar. So I think there's, there's multiple steps to this. There's a pre-onboarding phase. So you've mm-hmm. got the contract signed and they're ready to start. You need to give them what they need to be able to work for you remotely. So a laptop is um, one, obviously the most important thing. We send out a kind of a welcome pack. So everybody chooses their own type of laptop. For a lot of companies, it's probably easier to send out a set laptop, but Hotjar lets everybody choose the type they prefer to work on so they're most comfortable. We always send out a headset because we want to make sure that, you know, they're going to spend their life in Hotjar on video calls and to make sure that they can hear us and we can hear them clearly. Um, and then we send out some kind of welcome pack of goodies as well. Um, we send out a Kindle. It's, we are learn by doing is one of our core values. So we're very big on encouraging learning. And obviously reading is a huge part of that. So everybody gets a Kindle. If they want it, people get the choice. They might own a Kindle and at point sending them a second one. Mm-hmm. Um, we send out a couple, again, we offer to send out a couple of books which really relate back to our core values. Um, so there's one about feedback. Everybody reads Radical Candor. or We offer them the book okay. Radical Candor. It embeds this idea of feedback from them from even before day one if they read it before they start with us. Um, and that's such a huge piece of how we work together in Hotjar that it's really useful to... Yeah, embed the idea of it into the new start before they've even started or from the very first days of us in Hotjar. Absolutely. And we what's send the, out the... What's the other book? The other book is The Pomodoro Technique, which oh, is, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's very useful. I only learned about it when I started at Hotjar. Um, and it's, yeah, I think there's the other other element of working remotely that you don't necessarily, your productivity patterns are probably going to shift if you've been used to working in an office environment where you're surrounded by other people getting on with their work it can you know sometimes that can be an encouragement for you just to stay focused and get on with your work obviously also office environments are quite artificial in terms of you're supposed to be productive between set hours of the day only which isn't truly how most people are productive yeah and the Pomodoro technique is really useful for giving people some level of structure and working in a way that allows them to be productive we have flexible working hours in Hotjar. So just be productive when you're feeling productive. And if you're not getting anywhere, yeah, stand up and walk away from your desk. Go for a walk. You don't need to be at your laptop between nine to five if that's not your useful hours.
0: Yeah. Both of them seem very relevant to remote setup, right? So Mm -hmm. really focused on clear direct communication which is super important as we discussed earlier and then Pomodoro technique which I think is something that people working from home today really struggle with as well like how do you structure the day to to make sure that you're efficient that you don't get distracted so creating those zones of focus like set yourself like a little clock for 45 minutes or half an hour and then take a break and make it all very intentional super important as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah using Pomodoro might be
1: one of my Biggest pieces of advice is for anybody who suddenly find themselves working from home and especially just now with everything that's going on, it's really hard to concentrate. If you have kids or your partner also working from home, there's a lot of reasons to be distracted just now, let alone if you're checking the news often. So using uh, the popular technique, I have one of the Chrome apps, the Chrome extensions for it. So yeah, you can you can stay concentrating for 25 minutes and then you know you get your five minute break to if you need to check the news or if you need to go deal with something else in your house or whatever reason you need to stand up and walk away and then just come back and it's only 25 minutes you need to concentrate for. So I think yeah. most people can get through that.
0: Did you say there's a Chrome extension
1: for it? Yeah, there's a whole bunch actually. <laughs> it's oh, really useful because cool. then it pings you and lets you know. You start it off in the morning and when when it's time to have your break, it tells you. When it's time to get back to focusing, it tells you. Yep, yeah, it's really useful. Super cool. Okay.
0: Anyway, so the welcome pack, as we were we were saying. Uh, laptop, uh, headset, couple of books, Kindle, uh, continuous learning. What else is in the welcome pack?
1: I think we've stripped it down to that now. We've been sending out more, but we're kind of getting to the point of realizing, you know, we used to send out a Fitbit to everybody, but some people already have, like, you know, their Apple Watch or something that not everybody wants or uses this. And just trying to be more conscious about us not giving out things kind of pointlessly, basically. And um, mm-hmm. just especially being more ecologically conscious of that, of making sure we're not sending out unused items that are going to sit in a box forevermore. If you have company swag, like stickers or, you know, water bottles or this kind of thing that you generally give to the person on their first day in the office, send these out at this time as well. And then it's nice for them to have that and get all set up before day one. And um, so it means on day one, they can open their, you know, their company laptop, keeping it very separate from their personal laptop is obviously useful. Open their company laptop, pre- be prepared for what's to come. So, for that as well, communicating with them before day one about what to expect on day one is really important. Mm. You don't want to let anybody think, you know, what time do I need to start? Do I have a call? Like what's going to happen on day one? So being very clear about those expectations beforehand is useful. We email everybody when we're dealing with them in terms of getting their laptop and whatnot sorted with it and know the next time you'll hear from us will be the week before your start date. And we'll start getting you set up with things. So the week before day one, we get them set up with their company accounts, like um their email address, probably most importantly. We'll have their onboarding board, which we use um, Trello for. We'll have okay. that sitting in their emails. So when they do log in, um, they know what to expect. They can check their calendar to see. Most people will have a welcome call with their team lead at the start of the day. This is where you really want to pay attention to the human interaction that people okay. are having. Because yeah, if somebody's never worked remotely before, which is true for plenty of remote companies, let alone companies who're suddenly finding themselves going remote, can be a bit daunting. So if they know that okay, I'm going to have a call at you know nine or ten or whatever time with my team lead, and the team lead just gets on a quick call with them, you know welcomes them and sets the expectation for the day or for the week, can help to normalize it and give them some guidance. Our Trello board that we use for onboarding, we split it up. It's very structured, so it's here's what you're going to do on day one, here's day two, day three, day four, day five. And it just takes them through different tasks for them to complete, be it reading about, you know, reading through the team manual about the core values or our working setup and setting themselves up on tools, learning about our company vision and mission, yeah, more articles or content pieces relating back to our company culture Mm -hmm. and tasks for them to do as well. One of my absolute favorite parts of any new starts first week in Hotjar is as asking them to write a list of 10 interesting facts about themselves. Everybody in the company who starts with us does this and they can read back through everybody else's in the companies who's written them beforehand as well and get an idea as to what people are writing and also get a feel for the people they're now suddenly working with but might not get to meet for a while. So everybody writes a list of 10 interesting facts, whatever it is they want to share with the team. And then the rest of the company can read through it and comment on it. And there's there's always shared interests and it's always super interesting stories and it's it's yeah, a really nice way of getting a sense for that person because yeah. it might be you know six months or a year or however long until we meet them, and um, but it's yeah. a nice way to get an, an initial feeling for what kind of person they're.
0: Yeah, and a great conversation starter as well. Mm-hmm. Other topics. That's yeah, it. perfect. Is there so so that's that's week one, which seems to be very structured, right? There is there is yeah. sort of a kind of task set for the person.
1: Yeah, I think so having those very clear expectations and kind of goal setting is very useful. It's a part we get the most feedback about on our onboarding from our new team members that they appreciate how structured it was for them. So they, yeah, they knew what was expected of them. And I think having those kind of the in-person touch points as well. So our, usually the team lead will welcome them into the Slack channel as well. So everybody knows it's this person's first day. And again, the team can then also join in and welcome them in. They, everybody joins whatever their team's regular calls are throughout the week. And so my team have a planning call on a Monday and then scrum calls every day during the week and a retro call on a Friday. The Entire is on a release call together on a Friday afternoon. So setting the person up on their regular team calls from day one is really useful as well. They can't necessarily contribute to this, but they can already start getting a feel for, you know, the rituals that your company has and their team specifically has and obviously being on a call with their team members. Um, yeah. So more face-to-face points. Part yes. of their onboarding is actually to set up just, you know, quick five-minute chats with everybody in their own team and um, mm-hmm. start getting to know people from day one. Super, super, super useful.
0: When is the first kind of feedback session with the hiring manager after that initial period? Do you guys set it up kind of a week into the starting date? What does it look like? Is there any structure to it? or do so we have
1: weekly stuff? one-to-ones. It's not always with the hiring manager. Usually who the hiring manager is and who the team lead is, it tends to overlap quite a lot, but not 100% of the time. Um, But everybody in the company has a regular one-to-one with whoever their team lead is um, Mm and going all the way up to the CEO. So that's, you know, straight away, you're going to have these regular touch points and feedback sessions. Our new team members don't really start getting involved in doing a lot of work until a few weeks into it. And um, so it might be a little while until there's anything to give them much feedback on, but obviously it's also a chance for them to ask questions and you know ask for any advice or feedback that they're mm-hmm. looking for from their team lead as well. Mm-hmm. Our probationary periods contractually last the first six months, and it yeah. now ties into a rolling, more kind of holistic performance review that we have every six months. So after mm-hmm. your first six months and then six months to every every six months thereafter, you'll have a performance review which really, ties in all the feedback you have anyway been receiving over the last six months. So our aim with these reviews is that nothing is new and nothing's a surprise. You've been getting yeah. feedback throughout the entire time anyway. It just kind of ties all together for you. It's a self-review, a team lead review, and then a peer review as well for people that you nominate that you work quite closely with. So really just, yeah, it brings it all together neatly, but on a weekly basis, you're receiving that feedback.
0: Yeah, which I think is super important that you guys pay so much attention that regular communication that one-on-one with the team lead right which is effectively the line manager for the individual. Mm-hmm. So there's no kind of gaps, there's no surprises when it comes to the the, the performance review after the mm-hmm. provision, which is which is the
1: 6 months. Yeah, exactly. They should already have a pretty clear picture as to how they're doing. But it's mm-hmm. still quite nice to hear it all tied in and wrapped up together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, is there is there any specific reason why it's six months? It's, why it's not three months? Is it kind of tied to the way you guys are set up, perhaps? Or I'm trying to remember what why
1: how we landed on six months. I think really three months was because we are giving regular feedback anyway. Three months was going to be very very often. I think if we were a type of company who weren't giving regular feedback, six months would be a very long time to go without hearing anything. But yeah. because we are providing this feedback quite continuously, um, a six-month marker, it's yeah, like three or six or, or a year tends to be the normal touch points. A year is a very long time, even mm-hmm. if you are getting regular feedback. Three yeah. months could be quite a lot, especially even for the team leads and the people doing the peer reviews. It's quite a lot of work that goes into it each time. Yeah. But because we are on a very regular basis communicating this feedback, every six months felt like a natural, you know, wrap it all up in one package kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Sarah, can we wrap up? Kind of summarize your tech stack for recruitment for onboarding because we've mentioned quite a few different software tools, right? Such as Recruitee, Zoom, Trello. Maybe we can just kind of like wrap it all up. What are the key tools that you guys use? Maybe ones that you would, in particular, recommend for for the remote setup. So we use, yeah, I think Trello works very well for the
1: onboarding because it's, you know, like column. It's very easy to keep a nice flow and a very clear setup for the onboarding boards. And we use Gatekeeper for the internal pre-onboarding thing. Gatekeeper is a tool that we use, where we were using anyway. And really, we've just kind of like hammered our onboarding process Mm -hmm. into a tool which isn't actually meant for it, but we found a way to make it work because it's a tool we already had probably other tools out there which might be more beneficial for the actual onboarding stage. Having some kind of employee engagement tool, I think is incredibly important, especially working remotely. So we use 15.5 for the ongoing feedback and kind of touch points, as well as a bigger performance evaluations on a six-monthly basis. I really like 15.5. I like the way it works and the setup and the feel of it, but there are other alternatives to engagement Mm -hmm. tools out there as well. But having some kind of engagement tool is important. And then really just, yeah, the rest of it is just all about communication tools. So we use Slack as our normal day-to-day communication system where we message constantly back and forth. We use discourse for bigger conversations. Obviously, Slack isn't ideal if you need to have a lot of feedback going back and forth. It's not quite. It's not just a quick message or something sociable. Mm-hmm. So discourse is where we can make wider company announcements or post something which we want discourse and back and forth on. Um, be that from the entire company or just your team or whomever. We use Confluence for our finalized documentation, so our team manuals live in there, um, both the operational team manual and then, you know, different departmental manuals as well. So that's for our finalized information. And yeah, I'd say these are the main communication tools. The project management tools we use differ depending on the department. So in operations, we're in the all the way. Um, yeah. Marketing love Asana, obviously the more
0: technical areas use Jira, so
1: kind of changes a little bit depending which
0: area you're in. Perfect. And signatures, you guys are, you, you went for Adobe Sign, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Adobe alternatives as well to make it seamless. And... Yeah.
1: But yeah, right. I imagine, again, it's probably an area that doesn't differ as much with companies these days. So I think yeah. the initial application yeah. and the contract signature probably aren't so unfamiliar to people who are not remote it's more the interviewing setup which is going to change mm-hmm. a bit. perfect
0: can we touch a little bit on the culture and the values and i know it's a totally kind of separate conversation itself probably we could we could take another hour but um just maybe briefly as you reflect on on the culture and the values set at, at, at hotjar what these are and which seem to be particularly relevant and helpful in in, in a remote setup
1: I feel like, I'm going to test myself now making sure that I can for <laughs> our core values. So, our first core value is obsessed over our users. We're incredibly user focused and user centric company. I'm not going to promise I'm going to list these in the right order. Be bold and move fast is one of our core values. So, we are a company who works using agile methodologies, and we do want to continuously be delivering, yeah, values, delivering units of value both in our product and obviously we work from this perspective internally as well. So, for our team, also. Work with respect, this is probably the one which is most relevant. They're all obviously relevant to our team, but working with respect is something which you need to have embedded through any recruitment process. And it's both respect for your team and your team members, but also respect for yourself and making sure that you're balancing work with a healthy lifestyle, which can be a trickier part when working remotely versus in an office. Learn by doing is one of our core values as well. This element of learning has always been incredibly yeah, core to Hotjar and to its values. We really encourage, we have a personal development budget, so it's something we highly encourage for all of our team members. Yeah, just to keep going, making sure they're learning both the things that are relevant to their own jobs for anything they want to learn outside of work as well. Just the the fact of learning. Final one is to build trust with transparency. This relates back to the feedback topic we mentioned as well. It really does Tie into how our product is as well, making sure we're being very transparent with our users and our customers, but also with our team. So, in terms of the executive team to the wider Hotjar team, but also just with each other, making sure that we're very transparent and we build trust in that way together. So, again, the radical candor element of feedback plays into yeah. that really well.
0: Perfect. That's a that's a great wrap on that. I think we've done we've done well, Sarah. I think there's a lot of great takeaways there, and and you've been super. Uh, super kind of compact and and there's just so much information, so much practical knowledge as well, which I think is really what people are looking for these days as well. Are there any traps or, uh, as you kind of like look from your experience, things that people might particularly struggle with? Things that maybe don't work just as good as you would like to because of of the setup that that we're in?
1: I think for people who are suddenly finding themselves making the switch to remote, main things to remember is that you have to be incredibly intentional with your communication and with your culture as well. So don't think these things are just going to come naturally if you don't put any effort into fostering them. Take a look at your processes, see what needs to be adjusted because you are going to be remote now. And yeah, be very, very intentional with them. Don't take it for granted. But for the most part, any company who's succeeding well already probably already had very strong communication setup and um, it's such a key element to any business doing well so realistically if your company was already doing well in an office you've probably got your communication down quite well anyway so just having a look at how you're going to switch that to not being in the same place and yeah the sense of company culture and I will say the sense of sociability mm. it's it's not just when we're all in you know strange shutdown times working remotely yeah. you remove the human element in terms of physically being around your co-workers So it's really important to be intentional about replacing that with other options. Um, They just, yeah, regular social calls. We have game jar, so people play games together every week. Even that, the 10 interesting facts thing I mentioned earlier, it's a really nice way to be sociable remotely, but yeah, paying attention to the sociable aspect of your company as well. So yeah, be very intentional with your communication, your culture, and your social elements
0: it's been super good and I hope that we'll manage to help some companies and just maybe, you know, instill some great ideas on how to Hopefully. do
1: it. Hopefully. Cool. Well, thanks for inviting me to do it, Anita.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Take care. Thank Take you, care. you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for listening to the end of this episode. We hope that was useful, and helpful let us know your thoughts. Let us know your feedback and comments. It would be great if you want to give us a follow, if you like what you're hearing. And also, please leave us the rating on um, Apple Podcast, other platform of your choice. Thank you so much. Stay tuned, stay safe. And hopefully until the next time very soon. Thank you.